Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au John chapter 20, I want to read um, a piece of scripture that actually talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I pray that this scripture today uh, will uh, speak to us uh, this, this evening. Um, it's John chapter 20 and I'm reading from verse uh, 1. John chapter 20, reading from verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse 10, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And so, Father, as we dive into this word tonight, Lord God, I just pray that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is living and active and it's able to penetrate the deepest part of our hearts and lives. It's able to speak to us even today, even thousands of years after that it was written. It still has the capacity to actually change our hearts and lives. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Let there be nothing inside of me that hinders the delivery of this word. Just let there be freedom to hear and Father to receive this word, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to speak uh, tonight for for a few minutes on the subject, the Easter story. Uh, The Easter story is a powerful story that involves a number of people. Um, There's the disciples, of course. There's Pontius Pilate and Herod. Uh, There's the Roman soldiers who were there at the foot of the cross um, as they were crucifying Jesus. Simon, uh, the Cyrene, who carried the cross for Jesus as he was being led there to Gethsemane. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who asked for the body 
body of Jesus. There was also Nicodemus, who's mentioned uh, in the account as well. Um, and then there's the men who were crucified with Jesus. And, and there's a whole bunch of others there as well. Uh, each of the people that were involved in the Easter story uh, give us a perspective of Easter. Uh, each of the people teach us something about Jesus. And more than that, they actually teach us something about our own lives. Today, uh, I want to look at another person in the Easter story, uh, and her name was Mary Magdalene. Uh, the first time we read about Mary Magdalene is actually in Luke chapter 8. Uh, the Bible says this, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, the disciples, and also uh, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now, we don't know too much about, uh, about Mary, but we can assume from the text um, that she was a broken, tormented woman. Uh, she was an outcast, and she was certainly oppressed by the enemy. One day, as Jesus is traveling from one town to another, um, she is miraculously set free. What is Jesus doing? He's, speaking of the, he's proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And as she listens to Jesus teach, as she puts her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, she is miraculously set free. She is never the same again. Her life was changed and transformed. And from that time on, um, she and many others began to follow Jesus. The next time we read about her is in the context of the death and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, as you read the account in the various Gospels, you'll, you'll see that she appears from time to time in this account. Um, and as we read in our text, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed uh, from the entrance. Her story is powerful. And Mary Magdalene's story, for, the, uh, for me, captures what the essence of Easter is really all about. Now, we may not be as bound by the enemy as Mary was. We may not be in the same condition that she was in, but each of us, to some degree or another, can be oppressed by the enemy. The Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has a vision and a mission for your life and my life. His mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, I know we don't like to talk about evil, especially at Easter, we're in church, let's talk about positive things and good things, but we live in a world where evil is present. And the person behind the evil in the world is the enemy. I've just come from, a, from New Zealand this week, where I was at a conference in New Zealand, and I can tell you the whole nation has been rocked by what happened in Christchurch some weeks ago. And I can tell you who was behind that whole attack. Oh, yes, it was, it was an individual that carried it out. It was a number of individuals that did that. But I can tell you who was behind those, those attacks. It was the enemy. It was the evil one. The Bible says he has one purpose, and that is to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy doesn't come along and say, well, let me make your life better. Oh, he promises initially to make our life better, to make us happy. But his intention is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill our hope. He wants to steal our peace. He wants to rob us of joy. He wants to destroy families. He's not for families. He's not pro-marriage. He's not pro-family. He wants to do everything he possibly can to destroy them. Whenever you see evil in the world, just remember that the enemy is ultimately behind all of that. Jesus goes on to say in that text, uh, the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, says Jesus, so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. Reading from the message translation. I don't know about you, but that's a powerful scripture. 
Thank God the verse doesn't stop halfway. Thank God that the verse continues because they are actually Jesus' words. And Jesus says, I have come so that you can experience life and not just an ordinary kind of life, but life in abundance. It's the kind of life that you've always dreamed of. It's the reason why Jesus came. Jesus never came to start a religion. Jesus never came to start a political movement. That's what the disciples thought he'd come to do. They thought he'd come to rule and reign forever. Jesus came so that through a relationship with him, through a, through a knowledge of Jesus Christ, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we could experience this thing called life. Nowhere do we see a better picture of this than in the life of Mary Magdalene. As we look at her story, it speaks to us about what the Easter story is really all about. And I want us to look at this tonight, and my prayer is that as we consider a few thoughts about Mary's life, I pray that God would speak to us today by the Holy Spirit. First lesson we learn from Mary Magdalene is that the Easter story is rational. Text we read says that Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb first and finds it empty. So she runs and tells Peter and John that someone had taken the body of Jesus. She goes to the tomb, it's empty, the stone's been rolled away and she assumes someone's taken the body. She runs to Peter and John and tells them what she had just seen. The Bible says, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. It's believed to be John, uh, the apostle. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Now, in the Greek language, um, there are different words for the word saw. Um, when it says Peter saw the strips of linen there, um, it's not the Greek word blepo. Uh, it's um, the word that's used there is the word theoreo. You're learning a bit of Greek tonight. How about that? Eh? Come on, come on. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, it's not, it wasn't the word blepo that's used there in the original text. The original New Testament was actually written in the Greek language. And uh, amen. Well, the Greeks say amen. Come on, amen. Amen. There's only three. Okay. Uh, uh, it, was, it, was written, it was written in Greek. And, and, and it's, it's, there's two words there for the word look. Um, and it's, the word in this particular text is not, it's not blepo. It's actually theoreo. Now, in the English language, we get the word theorize from that particular word means to look at something intently, trying to find an explanation. It's, it's coming up with some theories to, to explain why this certain event has taken place. So Peter comes to the tomb. He sees that Jesus isn't there. He sees the linen cloth uh, there folded up, and he's, he's trying to work out what's going on here, what's actually happened here. Three days ago, we, he was dead. We put him in here. He was wrapped in, in burial cloths. Three days later, he's not there anymore. And you can kind of sense Peter is thinking here. It's like a CSI, you know, kind of situation here where he's trying to find out what's actually happened here. Did someone steal the body? Uh, if so, why did, why did they leave the linen behind? Why, why is the linen all kind of folded neatly on the side? If they would have taken the body, I'm sure the linen would have been all over the place. Why is the linen folded neatly on the side? You can see him sifting through the evidence, trying to come up with a rational explanation for what he saw. One of the things that people have accused Christians about over the centuries is that there is no rationale to our faith. They say the story of Easter, well, it's a nice story. 
makes you feel good. It's a, it's a really nice story. This whole, this whole story about Easter where, you know, first of all, there's Christmas, Jesus is born, and then, and then Easter, you know, Jesus dies, that's sad. But, you know, it doesn't finish on a sad note, finishes on a good note, Jesus comes back to life. People say it's a nice story, but there's no rationale to it. It's not a real story, it's a fable, it's a myth. It's something that people have come up with. People say, and you can kind of hear it from people when, they, when you tell them that you're a Christian, they say, you know, I, I respect people like you. I respect what you believe. Actually, in our nation, we don't respect what people believe. We crucify them. Hmm. Um, people say, well, I, I kind of respect what you believe. I respect what you, what you say, but, 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 I, but not me. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't put my faith in Jesus because I'm a rational person. <laughs> The reality is the reason why we believe in Jesus is because we have thought this through. It might come as a surprise to some, but there's a lot of rationale to faith. Nowhere is this more true than in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People often say, prove to me that God exists. Where one of the proofs that we have is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Study history and you'll see that the evidence points to the fact that Jesus died. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Um... The problem with most people is they, 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 they never stop and take the time to consider all the evidence. And that's one of the evidence. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of other kinds of evidence as well. Let me just give you one other one. Um, and the other evidence that we have comes from Mary Magdalene. This is just another piece of evidence in, in the whole story. And the evidence that we have is that Mary Magdalene was the first one to come to the tomb. Celsus, a Greek philosopher who lived in the second century AD, uh, he was against Christianity. And he wrote one of the first um, intellectual attacks on Christianity, why it wasn't true. It was one of the, one of the first, you know, well thought out um, intellectual kind of writings about why Christianity could not be possible and the resurrection are true. This is one of his arguments, okay? I'm quoting him. He says, Christianity can't be true because the written accounts of the resurrection are based on the testimony of women and we all know women are hysterical. Everybody say, oh, oh. He argued, how can anyone expect rational men to listen to the testimony of a historic, uh, historical, of a hysterical woman? We're just going to leave it there. Now, we need to remember that in Jesus' time, women had no status. Uh, they were marginalized. They never listened to a woman. A woman was not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Her testimony didn't have any bearing whatsoever. And for many years, the fact that women were the first eyewitnesses was actually a problem for Christians because they kind of thought, you know, women, women were not allowed to give testimony or, or be, a, be a credible witness. So this was kind of a problem for Christians for many, time, for many years. Here's the interesting part. If the story of the resurrection was a myth, a fable, if the disciples had stolen the body and made up a story that, had, that he had risen from the dead, if this whole thing was a myth, if this whole thing was kind of a setup, um, why would they include the first eyewitness to be a woman? In a society that didn't trust the testimony of women, why, why would they put that in the story? If the whole story is made up, if, 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 if the whole thing was with this big plot by the disciples to, to try to get, you know, the, prove that Jesus actually rose from there, why would they put a woman as the first eyewitness? The only explanation for why Mary Magdalene was the first eyewitness is because she was. 
I love what the Bible says about John. Then the other disciples, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb. I'm reading from the message translation here. Um, took one look at the evidence and believed. Maybe some of you here tonight and you're wondering, I, I just don't know if this is true or not. C can I just invite you? Uh, doubting is fine. Saying, I'm not sure if this is true. Can I just invite you to look at the evidence? To consider the evidence? Don't just believe what people are saying. Don't just believe what people are, 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 are saying out, out there. Search the evidence for yourself. There's plenty of great material out there. Because I believe that if we look at the evidence, like John, John sees the evidence. He looks and, he, and the Bible says he believed. Mary Magdalene reminds us that the Easter story is rational. Second lesson we learn from Mary Magdalene is that the Easter story speaks of mercy. One of the things that I love about the Gospels is who God chooses to use at significant moments. Jesus had spent 12 years, um, sorry, three years uh, with 12 uh, of disciples. He poured his life into them. He taught them. He spent time with them. Uh, he empowered them. Um, and what I find interesting is that here is one of the most significant moments in Christianity. This is the most significant moment in Christianity. A most significant moment in the Christian calendar um, was not the birth of Jesus. Christmas is an important time. It's beautiful as we remember the coming of Jesus. But that's not the most important date in the Christian calendar. It wasn't his teaching. It wasn't his miracles. It wasn't the death of Jesus either. It was the resurrection. And listen carefully. Who does he choose to make the announcement to the world? He doesn't choose the disciples. He doesn't choose Peter, James or John. He was close to all three of them. He was closest to John. He doesn't choose any of those. He chooses Mary Magdalene. He chooses this woman who was broken and wounded, marginalized, who was tormented and outcast, whose life was radically changed one day when she meets Jesus. Of all the people he could have chosen to mark the most important moment in Christian history, he chooses Mary Magdalene. And I think that's profound. I don't know about you, but that for me is the essence of what the Easter story is all about. Mary Magdalene reminds us that no matter how deep and dark our life has been, that no matter how hard and difficult things have been, no, no matter what mistakes we have made, that, that, that what we've been through, that we are accepted in Christ Jesus our Lord. That when we open our hearts to Jesus Christ, we are accepted by Him. God, Jesus doesn't say to us, oh, wait a minute, I know your past. Oh, I know what you've done. Oh, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to move over to the side. God can use us to do some amazing things for his glory. When we, when we come to Christ, he makes all things new. It's like we get to start all over again. It's like we get to reboot the computer. Our life. Bible says the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. I don't know what your concept of God is, but I want you to know what kind of God we serve. This is the story of Mary, Mary Magdalene reminds us of who God is and what he's really like. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. There's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is what we get when we come to Christ. Mercy is what we get when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. What, when we ask him to forgive us of our sins, we get mercy. But God's love doesn't stop there. He's not only merciful, he is gracious. Not only does he forgive us of our sins, he chooses to bless us in ways we could never imagine. 
Not only is he good enough to, 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 to forgive us, he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to bless you and do great things for you. Here was Mary Magdalene whose life was a mess. Not only does he choose to show mercy to her by setting her free, if the story had stopped, there would be an amazing story. Here was this woman who was oppressed and tormented and, and she was set free when she came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. If the story stopped there, it would be an amazing story. But the story doesn't stop there. Jesus says, I haven't finished with you yet. He, chose, he chooses her to be the first eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. I, I don't know about you, but that, 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 that to me uh, is, it captures what the Easter story is really all about. Some of you here today, you've given up on life. You've said, my life's a mess. I can't get out of this. What, what a waste of life my, my life has actually been. I've messed up so much. So many times we exclude ourselves from being used by God but for all kinds of reasons. Pastor Joe, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know my path. You don't know my mistakes. That's how you're thinking today. I want you to know that we serve a gracious God. We serve a merciful God. And I want us to reflect on the life of Mary Magdalene. Mary reminds that God is not only the God of mercy, He is the God of grace. And He hasn't finished with you yet. You may exclude yourself, but Jesus will never exclude you. And if you would just open up your heart to Jesus, if you would just consider the evidence and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will do things with your life that will blow you away. Mary teaches us that Easter story speaks to us about the mercy and the grace of God. Third lesson we learn from Mary Magdalene is that the Easter story is personal. I, I love this aspect of the story. And uh, Mary Magdalene has gone to the tomb and uh, the stone's been rolled away. She finds the tomb empty. She goes and tells Peter and John who, who raced to the tomb, saw what happened. And the Bible says after looking and considering, they went back home. The Bible says Mary Magdalene stayed at the tomb. At this point, she believes someone's taken the body. Her theory, she's looked at the evidence, someone's stolen the body. So she's crying. Then she looks in, in, in the tomb and sees two angels and they asked her, you know, why are you crying? And she says, well, they've taken my Lord. And then she turns around and Jesus is standing there and he asks her, why are you crying? Well, she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. And uh, she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Bible then says, Jesus says to her, Mary, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. That point, her eyes are open and, and she can see that it's actually Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to Mary in a very personal way. And I believe that Jesus wants to reveal himself to us in a personal way. Listen, church, I, I want you to know that Jesus cares about you. So often we are interested in the crowd. How big was the crowd? What were the numbers there? What I love about Jesus, he's interested in the one and he cares about you. You're not just a number in the crowd. Mary wasn't just another person. Jesus stops and, and he waits and he says, Mary... And he reveals himself to her. I want you to know that Jesus cares about you. He knows your name. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your present and he cares about your future. He cares about the pain that you're going through. He 
cares about your dreams and wants them not just to become a dream, but a reality in your life. He wants you to know that he loves you. Isaiah says this beautiful um, scripture, Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus says the Lord who created you and who formed you, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. I want you to know that despite what, we, what people are teaching in the schools and the university, that we don't come from a big bang, that, that ultimately we are created by God. He formed us just the way we are. And he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And if we would just surrender to him, if we would just turn towards him, we could live a different life. What I love about Jesus, he always had time for the one. He reveals himself to the one. Read the Gospels. It's powerful. If you want to read some books in the Bible, I, I suggest start from Matthew and just read the Gospels of Jesus Christ. It, it, it'll, it'll be amazing. And again and again, you see Jesus stopping and revealing himself to one person. One day he's, he's walking along a road from Jericho and, and there's crowds everywhere. People are gathered on the streets trying to get a glimpse of Jesus and he gets to a guy, he's a little short guy and he's sitting on a tree and Jesus stops and he says, Zacchaeus, today I'm gonna come and have lunch at your house. Wonderful. <laughs> Texts his wife, we go company for lunch today, prepare something quickly. He's traveling along and there's crowds everywhere. He's got his bodyguards. You know, the, the disciples kind of gathered around him and they're trying, to, they're trying to protect Jesus from all the riffraff. And there's this dude on the side of the road who's saying, son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. And as he hears Jesus coming closer, he gets louder and louder and louder. And the disciples are going, will, you, will someone shut him down? Because that's what we do. But Jesus says, just stop for a minute. And he gets to Bartimaeus and he says, just stand up and come here. And he ministers to Bartimaeus right where he's at. Jesus wants to minister right where we're at. Ministers to a Samaritan woman, paralytic, a woman with sickness. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you and me because he's interested in our well-being. And just like he called out Mary's name, he's calling out our name. Mary, just like he called out Mary's, he's calling our name as well. Story of Easter, it's a powerful story, but the power of the Easter story is not in the story itself. It's not in the account. If all we do at Easter is reflect on an event that happened over 2,000 years ago, if all we do is gather once a year to remember a date on a calendar, a religious event, it's a good place to start because we're losing even this. We're even losing this tradition in our nation. It's a good place to start together at Easter time and, and to be able to reflect on Jesus and what happened some 2,000 years. But if that's all we do, it's not going to have any impact on our lives. Jesus came so that we could experience life and life in abundance. And the good news is that the Easter story can be our story. That what happened to Mary Magdalene can happen to us. That through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can find hope and we can find mercy and we can find, find grace in our time of need. And the beauty about the story of Mary Magdalene, the Easter story, is that story is being repeated again and again and again. And over the last 2,000 years, billions of people have been able to experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ as they came into relationship with Jesus. Lives were radically changed. 
So I want you to listen to a few stories tonight. Um, these aren't some people that lived years and years ago. These are people from our church who are going to talk a little bit about their story and the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. Just have a look at the screen. Thank you. God, if you really exist, please come into my life. I don't know how to find you. I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I didn't grow up um, knowing about God or hearing about God. So for me to hear about God was uh, my first time when I was 10 years old. I guess I'm quite a, um, an outgoing person. Everyone has always seen me as very smiley, you know, very confident, bubbly, and, you know, it's not always the truth. So I remember uh, opening up the Bible in, in those young days, and, and I used to read it stoned, and it scared the living daylights out of me. That used to scare me because I used to think I'd blown it with my lifestyle. I often hid behind the a personality that was like that when in fact I'm actually really not confident and really depressed, really anxious, but people would always say, well, but you can't be depressed because you're always so happy, you're smiley, you're jess, like you're loud. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going through those things inside. I left home at 16, got into people with drug dealing, became a drug dealer, I've, I'd rather go to the world than having more fun than being told rules and regulation. It felt like life was getting repetitive. Every, well, it started off on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and on the long weekends, yeah. God, sometimes you'd wake up in someone's bed and you think, what the heck am I doing here? And I remember being so high on LSD or low, and a friend of mine saw me, who led me to, to, to God. He said, he said he saw walk, death walking that day. He said, you look like death walking. And I knew then, right there and then, I needed God. I went to church. Um, I went in a corner, was, no one could see me. And, um, and there was this guest speaker on that Sunday. And, and he started to preach in a way that he spoke about my life. He spoke about my feelings. He spoke about me, my childhood. And I was so amazed to say, how, how can he know? And in that moment, a thought come up, God is talking to you. This little thought, this little whisper, that was in my heart, it was God bringing me to his house. Because my other thought was, what is the purpose of life? So the purpose of life to die one day anyway. So why don't you die now? And God said, no, no, you belong to me. Personally deal with cancer. And uh, deep inside you always feel like, you know, this could be the one where this could be it. So um, when I was going through the, the cancer itself, I had the operation. I remember sitting one night on my couch and I was watching television 
have a big scar from here to here. And, I, you know, for some reason I said, no, I don't want to watch TV anymore. So I turned her off and sat in the dark and I did start to think, I said, God, this is scary. You know, and I was just sitting there, I was as awake as anything. But sitting in the dark and, and I just had this vision as clear as daylight. Even now I can see it. There was a huge long table. And there was all these chairs around this table, but one had been pulled out. And I remember God saying, your place isn't here yet. And I knew, and I knew, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had healed me completely. My time wasn't yet. He had another plan for me. And that, I can tell you for the first time, I really heard God speak audibly. It got to a stage where my drug world was really getting bigger and bigger. Turning point was actually in a disco. I was actually, like I love going to the discos and I was drinking one night just watching people dancing. And uh, I heard a voice behind me saying, what are you doing here? These are not your people. And I said, huh? I looked back and there was no one behind me. And I just kept drinking and next minute I heard the voice again, exactly the same word. And that was actually my turning point that I wanted to know if God was really there. There were a lot of points that probably should have been a turning point. Um, I was drinking, doing a lot of drugs. Um, I just, I didn't care anymore. I just was having fun, um, but it was all reckless behaviour and I ended up in a lot of really dangerous situations. It was a, it's a, it's a world that you'll never be satisfied. Everything's out there, it's willing to give it to you. We don't realise we're in a battle. And the enemy is actually uses a lot of things out there to, to, to trick us that think it's going to supply our needs or supply everything that we needed in life. But so, sometimes we actually realise that being with God, He's everything. He has everything. It's all His. And I think that's when I heard that voice in the discos that God was calling me. I think it's just really exhausting trying to pretend to be someone you're not. Um trying to keep up that front when you are really struggling on the inside and you can't actually talk to anyone about it because when you've got depression or anxiety people kind of think you're a bit weird or a bit crazy um, and sometimes it's just really hard to be honest and be true um, to what you're going through and so you just end up wearing a fake mask. I think I really felt the love of God at an altar call. I was an absolute wreck and someone started praying over me and almost instantly I just felt peace kind of run from like my head all the way down to my toes and I just stopped crying. That was I think the first time I just felt an overwhelming sense of love and that it was going to be okay. Sin damaged me, sin abused me. this opportunity from God to want me and to collect me literally from the streets and say, Mary, I want you to have a family. You are not an abandoned daughter. I want to take care of you. I want to heal your wounds. I want to repair you. And it will take time, 
but you belong to me. And the cross means um, victory, love. I had no family, now I have a family. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How powerful were those stories? Huh? Isn't that amazing? Uh, just incredible. I still have trouble imagining Anton in a disco <laughs> dealing drugs. I can't see. He's got, I've got a, there's a picture of him uh, with, with his big rifle on a bike. I just can't, I just can't imagine that. It's just... Isn't it incredible what God can do in someone's life? He's the story is a powerful story. Power of the story is that thousands of years later, People's lives are still being changed. That people who open their heart up to Jesus can find hope and mercy and grace in their time of need. And just like Mary Magdalene, whose life was transformed through an encounter with Jesus Christ, so can our lives be transformed. The question is how? how? How can we experience that? How can that become a reality? How does the Easter story come alive into our own lives? It's really quite simple. We just have to invite Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. If you had to find a verse in Scripture that kind of embodied the message of the whole Bible, it's all of the Bible wrapped up in just one verse. Which, which verse would we choose? It would be, For God so loved the world. And it's not just the world. That's everybody. You could replace the, 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 the word world with your own name. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That doesn't mean just life one time in eternity. That also means life here on earth. I want you to know that God loves you. He cares about you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life and the only thing that's going to keep us from a relationship with God is sin. And we've all made mistakes. But God loved us so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay the price of sin. There's no other way to pay that price. Some people think, well, if I do good things, then, then surely that will get me into heaven. No amount of good things, the Bible tells us, can bring us into heaven. Jesus paid the price. And if we would accept Him as our Lord and Saviour, we can be saved. Like John the Baptist says, you know, he went into the tomb, he took one look at the evidence, and he believed. He saw the evidence. He considered it. He, he, he thought about it. And he made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me?